Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hello, hello, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. I am so glad you're here. One of my favorite people is joining us on today's program, Mary Shaw. She is a UX design consultant with over 20 years of experience in digital design. She's worked on hundreds of web projects from some of the world's largest companies and brands, folks like Coca-Cola, Starbucks, Conair. She even worked on Unilever's Dove brand that received over 3 million visits during the Super Bowl XL halftime show. So when it comes to UX, Mary knows her stuff and has developed an entire brand and platform around her being a, a UX expert. And she's also gone through our bootcamp program a year or so ago, and she's a member of our mastermind program and has been a regular contributor within our community about user experience, shared on some of our mastermind presentations. And her story is just one of the really most interesting stories of people that have worked with us and have gone through our programs. And I'm really excited for her to share that in its entirety today on the Digital Agency Show. Welcome to the Digital Agency Show, Mary. Great to have you here. Thanks for having me, Brent. It's great to be here. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Who Who is Mary Shaw and what are you all about? Well, uh, I'm a former musician turned web professional. I, um, I played music professionally for about 12 years as my first career. And then I fell into the web in the mid-90s uh, as a project manager. And uh, I'm married and I have a beautiful 13-year-old daughter. And uh, I just love working on the web. I've been doing it for over 20 years now, I think. And, and I know you have a, a very unique and special superpower. What What is your main thing when it comes to web? I am a UX designer. I'm a marketer's best friend. <laughs> Mary is an awesome UX designer. I would, oh. you, you need more, uh, uh, more hype around how <laughs> great the work you do is. So um, Mary's story is, it's one of my favorite stories of people that have gone through bootcamp as a web pro. Cause I feel like there was this conversation that you, we were having, you and I were having where you, you said this thing to me and it, it's like the it's the story I just tell over and over and over again, and I really am excited for you to share that today. But I just remember this conversation that you and I were having where you said, I don't think I can do this because, and I, and I need to go get a job because I really only have 20 hours a week that I can work, and I need to support my family, and this whole business thing just kind of needs to go away because I just I need to support my family, and I need to just do some hourly work, and that's that. You know, we had a conversation and I think some of that reality changed a little bit and, you know, where you are today is just so different in terms of mindset, at least in, in my perspective, from where you were in that conversation. Can you take us back to that moment, kind of where you were at in your business and what life looked like? Oh, sure. Um, it's very different now. I, I was considering going back to work, but the challenge I have is I, I have some challenges. I'm really not able to do more than 20 hours of work a week. So finding finding a company that would you know be willing to do that is definitely a challenge. I'm, I'm almost unemployable. Um, but yes, I remember that conversation with you. I Because I was so bent on being part-time, I couldn't imagine myself 
making anything close to my former full-time salary on a part-time scale. And that was very wrong. (laughs) (laughs) What what, what does this 20-hour requirement come from? Is it just because that's how much you want to work and then you kind of tap out or, or where does that constraint come from for it's, you? It's a baseline. My, my daughter has some, some significant health issues. She's, she's going to be okay, but there's a whole nother side to my life that involves doctors and appointments and, and no amount of sick time or, or leave would cover that. So I just kind of split the line at, at half time basically. And it also allows me some flexibility. I, I do work with more than one client. And so I just kind of put that as, as a baseline rule. You know, uh, I'm limited to no more than 20 hours a week. It's usually per client, it's like 10 hours. Sometimes I max out with one client. It depends on the size of the project. It's just a little thing that, that keeps me honest and keeps me from overcommitting. So thinking back to our early conversation, it, it seemed like you, at least kind of that former mindset, that pre-boot camp, pre-Ugurus mindset was, I can only work 20 hours a week, so I probably should not have my own business. Like, why Why were you thinking that, if you can remember back? I This is my third iteration as a freelancer. My first and second, my first was towards the end of my music career. My second was as a UX consultant, and that started in 2006, and it went really well uh, up until into the, we were a couple of years into the recession around 2011, and I just didn't manage my business very well, and I, I didn't keep a close eye on expenses. I wasn't thinking about, I didn't think of myself as a business owner, and I think that that was the change, Brent. And then this third time out, and especially after boot camp, that was the mindset change. I came to see myself as a business owner, not just a freelancer. And that just really, it flipped a switch for me. I became much more aware of things like, you know, keeping your expenses locked down, uh, looking to increase my rates and just really working towards profitability. I I was going to ask you, what is the difference, do you think, between somebody who has the freelance mindset versus the business owner mindset? It's really the discipline of, of keeping a close eye, I think, on your finances, on your profitability on, on the internal side, but then also caring about your client. I mean, really, you know, we're here to serve people. And that's another thing that, that changed for me. You know, when I, was, when I was first doing this and my daughter was really young, I was like, I got to make some cash. I got to do this kind of thing. I got to do that. And that's wrong because what I need to do is to help my customer succeed, and that was a big mindset shift for me. That and and just looking after profitability and reducing expenses. I think those were the the two big changes that I experienced. When when we first started speaking, you told me you only had twenty hours a week to work. To me, that almost was a, a a bigger calling. Like you have to own your own business because you have to create leverage in your life. And are you doing anything right now? within your business that's creating more leverage on your time where maybe you're not 100% behind the wheel, you've got other people that are helping you? Uh, Yes. I'm not interested in building a huge agency or anything, but I've recently brought on a VA uh, and that person really helps with more personal tasks, you know, like just making appointments for me. And and, uh, I haven't turned over my email yet, but but I am getting some leverage there. And I'm also about to uh, bring on a WordPress person to help me finally redesign my website because I just don't have time to do it. <laughs> the the UX web designer that doesn't have time to I know. Uh, design their own website. I feel I know, like that is <laughs> that is the state of the industry. I don't think you're alone there. It's it's just crazy. I I set this big goal to redesign my site last year, and it's it hasn't changed at all. 
So you've been um, you've been in this game for a while. Have there been any moments for you that you'd consider kind of your your worst moments or your most challenging moments that you maybe question whether you're going to continue doing this? Yes, there's there's been a couple. Uh, but the most recent was probably the hardest, and uh, it was shortly after I enrolled in boot camp. I think it was spring of 2015, and uh, within a week, my mom and my daughter were both hospitalized with serious illnesses, and I had to stop everything. I just had to stop. I, I had had to do something similar when I was employed full-time back in 2006. That's actually what started my company. But this one was really tough because I was sandwiched in between the two of them. And I just had to stop everything. Uh, I had to stop work. I had to stop community stuff. I, um, I just had to focus on them, uh, really, until the summer. How did you decide, I guess, to just stop everything versus kind of trying to keep up appearances? That was never an issue. Mm. There was no choice. It was stop. It was like this giant stop sign got placed in front of me. I, I had two very large clients at the time. I had to drop both of them. I had to drop boot camp. I just, I had to stop. They needed me in that. And it was non-negotiable. How did you decide to reboot after that? Was it that, you know, okay, now I have the time back. Things are more settled and I want to keep doing this. I, I feel like that's overcoming that adversity I think every entrepreneur can relate to it at some point in time in their in their business. Like like life happens. I mean, it's you cannot stop real stuff happening to you in your life. And I think there's this narrative about entrepreneurship and business that that kind of stuff doesn't happen. That everybody has 18 hours a day to work, <laughs> five days a week, seven days. Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, is, is is crushing it always. That life never happens to him. But I, I feel like the reality off of social media and off of you know, get, you get out of the marketing space of this, you know, fantasy land that people paint and life happens. And I feel like that happened to you and you got through it and you did reboot and you did commit back to the business. And what was that like? It was very liberating. It was very hard. Um, but uh, my mom and, and my, the rest of my family, my husband especially, were very supportive and they were just like, you know, things are better now. It's time. You can get back out there. You know, and also I, I, I have this need. I have to help support my family. And uh, I was very fortunate. <laughs> it was interesting. One, one of the two clients I dropped when I had to drop them, they had another project. And uh, I would not have found out about that had it not been for boot camp. John Hinshaw was, was very instrumental in helping me get back on my feet. So shout out to John. I reached out to and we all we all love John here. So oh yeah, it was just a it was a great group that I was placed in when I, when I was able to return to boot camp in the summer, things really started to mesh and just kind of kind of come together really nicely. And um, one of one of his challenges to me was just reach out to ten people you used to work with on LinkedIn. And uh, one of these folks was was one of the clients that I had had to drop. And, and they're like, oh, you're you're available, great can you come in? And I was like, wow, really? And, <laughs> and then uh, the phone just started ringing. I, I reached out to 10 people and I got back on my feet fairly quickly. And, and um, it was really empowering to know that, that I could come back, but I could also come back to people I had previously worked with because I thought when I dropped those projects that it was over. You know, I kind of felt like I was box office poison in a way. And uh, so, so it was very liberating and, and very freeing to know that the people understood and that life does happen. And, um, you know, I just went for it and boot camp ended and then uh, I joined Mastermind. And then I saw that presentation by Phil Lockwood about profitability. And I was mm. like, wow. Uh, <laughs> I was like, wow, really? He, he actually 
quantified the quote unquote the cocktail hour lunch, right? What the <laughs> yeah, totally. It, it's 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 fifty bucks for drinks, but the economic impact in your business was something like seven hundred dollars. And of course, everybody there went, "Well, I'm no longer drinking at work." With you know, I don't know if they were anyways, but oh man, I, I've watched that video so many times, and when I keep track of my expenses and I keep a close eye on what's coming in. And just really work on my profitability. It's it, There really is a boost. And that's where a lot of the leverage has come from for me. Hearing you talk about that, that tactic that John suggested to you of just reach out to 10 people that you had relationships with or that are connected on LinkedIn, I feel that so many people are searching for this magic silver bullet to getting clients and getting people to purchase your services and to do business with your agency. And then I hear that extremely simple common sense and just, you know, don't build some crazy campaign. Don't spend three weeks building this crazy thing when you're and in your case, an agency of one and you only need to fill 20 hours a week that maybe just 10 outreach emails or pings might get you enough work to keep you busy for three or four months. When he told you that, did you question it? Like, that's too easy. That, that That's too obvious. Or were you just like, hey, my mentor said to do this. I'm going to just rock it out and we'll see what happens. I just did what I was told. <laughs> <laughs> very <laughs> good, really Mary. Very I good. <laughs> I did that because I was completely and utterly broke at that time. Mm. I mean, I we had to stop everything. I had no income for, I think, three months. And it was literally starting up from from zero. So, you know, John was like, hey, just go do this. And I was like, well, let me look at my bank account and listen to what, think about what John said. <laughs> and hmm, I, think, I think I'll do that. And I had some really great conversations with people I hadn't spoken with in a long time. They were so helpful. And, uh, it, you know, later in the year, it led to some lunches and, and just led to some reconnections that were really cool. And so much of it is just conversations and just, you know, relating to people and, and just getting out there. It's not that hard. It's it's just scary when, you, when you're thinking about it. I, I always tell people when they're talking to me about trying to get clients and trying to pick up new business that the one of the best leading indicators to track is number of conversations per week. If yep. you're having conversations with people about what you do, what makes you unique, and probably uh, better yet, if you're having conversations about them and their problems, there's a high probability that you're going to get work very soon. And when, when people tell me, well, I don't have any leads or or I don't have any business right now, my, my pipeline's empty, I always ask, well, how many conversations did you have with business owners, ultimately, ideally, in your target market or your your area of superpower? But even still, uh, I'd rather you have a conversation with somebody about what you do and what, where they're at than uh, nobody. Are you continuing to do that outreach or have you found other ways to fill the pipeline that aren't maybe so uncertain or, you know, random than just call 10 people that you have connected on LinkedIn. Yeah, that that was the initial the initial uh I guess burst if you will of, of project work that came in. I had also had some some long-term relationships that uh wound up working out a couple months later and it's kind of happened organically, Brent. I I kind of take like this three-tiered approach now and it just kind of happened. I I do some coaching for UX for uh, an online boot camp. And just in the course of keeping my blog updated and, and doing some things, I was like, I wonder if I can do this on my own. 
so I've kind of built up this coaching practice for UX design on the side. Um, and that's become kind of steady. It's, it's small, but that's been nice because there's been pretty reliable cash flow with that. And then with the, uh, the LinkedIn things, those are, those are uh, usually agency subcontracts that I do, just with people I've known for a long time. And they're like medium-sized projects. They're like, I don't know, six weeks to eight months. But really, my bread and butter is, is large corporate work. And uh, I go direct for that. And I've had some really, for, I've just had some really good fortune with that. I got connected with a, with a fairly large company here in Connecticut. And I'm going into my fourth project with them, hopefully, in the next month. Congratulations on that. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I'm really excited. It's, we're going to be doing some e-commerce stuff, which is new for me in, in terms of UX design. So it's, it's like this whole new frontier, which is great because, you know, I've been doing this for 20 plus years, but it's always new. It's always interesting. And it's just, it's always changing, but the fundamentals never change, which is the other thing that I love about it. I always tell people that there's there's this kind of hierarchy of, of needs and, and user experience design is kind of one of those services that falls in into that higher value part of my pyramid because of the open-endedness of it, the complexity of it, that the philosophies behind UX is really about understanding the user first, the problems that they're trying to solve and how the business, you know, connect them to the business in a better way so they can solve those unique problems, um, which I think is really cool because it's, it's ultimately a very high value consultative service that you can offer people and you've chosen to really focus your messaging and your brand and your identity about user experience design. Can you tell me about the process that you've gone through to really create that focus and that, you know, and to stay focused on that versus diversifying out into other types of service areas? I feel like you've done a lot of things to brand yourself around being a UX expert and that's helped you immensely. Yes. Um, I remember one of the things uh, you talked about in one of your videos was drawing a circle around your, your chosen area of expertise or, or your niche. And I had committed to UX you know, well before, before boot camp. It really grew out of my career as a project manager. Um, I started as a web project manager in the mid to late 90s. And back then, we didn't even, you know, there, UX was happening, but there was no label for it. There were no best practices. And it just really happened organically. It was just something that happened. I started, you know, going into the field of the company I was working for and, and interviewing people and trying to find out what the need was for the systems we were building. And then the next thing you know, I was making sitemaps and I was making wireframes. And it wound up being my very favorite part of the job. Just this, the psychology behind it is so interesting. And, and just the way that you know there really is a destination at the end where you're, you really are helping that user out, but you also have to satisfy the business need. It's, it's like trying to find that sweet spot between the two. It's this ongoing puzzle. And it, it's, it's forever interesting. It was always my favorite part of the job. When I left the agency that I was with in 2006 to go freelance, I was thinking, what part of this job could I carve out independently? And this was it. And I wound up getting a couple of pre pretty cool opportunities uh, shortly after I left the company. And it just kind of happened after that. You talked about the circle I help people draw around a market, which is one of my favorite things to talk to people about and teach them. And I feel like you not only took that initial lesson, but one of my other lessons I try to push people to is once you've drawn that circle and you have a, a, a target market, you can now start to communicate with that group of people in a way that you can't when you're trying to talk to everybody 
about everything. You can now uh-huh. get really specific. And at the essence of drawing a circle around people is creating a list, creating whether that's an email list, a call list, a Facebook pixel list, just creating a list of some kind of similar types of people that you can send regular messages to and educate them and just basic marketing and sales 101. And one of my favorite things that you've done, of course, is actually take that advice and execute on creating an email list about UX and about learning about UX, about what Mary's up to with UX. And I believe you kicked that list off a year ago. Is that right? When you started first um, building that? How, how long have you been doing yeah, that? Yeah, just a little bit over a year. Okay. Uh, it's January of last year. So like 15 months. It's not very old. <laughs> Tell us about that. How is that going for you? And how, I mean, I you, you send out pretty much a weekly email, like on the dot, like you are so disciplined about that. Um, how have you made that work for your business and how has that helped you? Uh, it, it's been great. And, and you were so encouraging when I had 18 people on my list to just keep at it. So <laughs> I, started, I started, I think I had three people left over from, you know, some other attempt I had made a couple of years before. So I started with those three people and they were in a spreadsheet. Then I got serious about it in January. I was like, you know, what's one thing I could do? What, what's one thing I could really try to focus on? I just got really interested in it. It's part of, part of the UX ethos is always be curious. And I got really, really interested in this notion of, of trying to develop a community around, around my blog if I could. So I, uh, by the time, I think it was March, I think March I had 18 people. Woo! And, uh, <laughs> uh, but I just, I just stayed at it. I just, I figured if I was consistent, if I just I just made it part of my weekly routine. Uh, I think on Tuesdays I have a little reminder in my calendar that says, you know, write email, update blog, and if I'm lucky by Thursday or Friday I've actually done it. <laughs> 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 just, I just have to work it around, you know, the the whole twenty hour restriction. Sure. And sometimes I see your emails and they have a lot of meat and potatoes to them. And sometimes they're a little bit more shorter and to the point. I'm thinking it must have been a busy week for Mary this week because this one's <laughs> a little bit a little bit short. But it's good still because it doesn't it's not about that, right? It's not about writing, you know, a dissertation every week to your list, to your potential buyers. I mean, they don't even want that all the time. It's just connecting with them and speaking speaking to one person really. I mean, that's kind of what I always tell people is, you know, you had eighteen people on your list, but when you write that email, you should still be speaking to one person. And even if you had a list of one, I would say email that person every single week because for the average agency, you're not trying to get 500 clients this year. You're trying to get, you know, if you got 10 awesome high value clients this year, that would be amazing. So when you have a list of 18, like if you email them every week and you give them education and great content, the likelihood that those 18 people are going to hire you in the next three, six months, 12 months, 36 months is probably really high. Yeah, well, the the whole email thing has been really exciting because uh, I'm I'm closing in on 400 people now. Woo! And, <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, isn't that fun? And uh, and I've also generated some revenue from it as well, just with some co- with some private coaching, and so that's been super exciting. I've 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 really helped some people, and and uh, it's just really rewarding. Uh, I've also been asked to to speak in Portland at a UX event that's going to happen in June. So, um, yeah, they, they can't pay me to speak, but they're going to fly me out there. So, so I've never been to Portland and I'm excited. <laughs> you know, start. I mean, yeah, I mean, if, uh, if it is great to get paid to speak, but if you get to, if somebody goes through the pain of organizing, you know, some X amount of people in a room and you get to educate them on your superpower, I mean, that is, 
that is pretty awesome. And I just want to congratulate you on on that success and sticking to it. It's it's easy to look at numbers like 18 people are on my email list. Why would I even bother writing an email this week? I always tell people it's like digging a ditch. You know, it just happens like one foot at a time. You know, it's, there's just no, you got you to get this far and there's just no way around it. There's no way to, if you, if you want to get to 500 people, you have to start at 18. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I really appreciate, you know, you were so encouraging when I saw you in September. So there, there've been numerous times where I've been like, oh, do I have to do this? But I have to do this. It's, and I enjoy doing it. Once I get into it, it's, it's great. It's, uh, it's, you know, and I started that blog years ago to just try to remember certain things I did and during consulting engagements so I could, you know, even on my coaching calls, I look stuff up because mm. <laughs> the blog's seven years old now or maybe even older. Even taking away the marketing aspect of it, has publishing content about your superpower, has that helped you to even refine your own ideology and your own opinions about what you're doing in that field and, and made you a better person, a better uh, expert on that topic? Oh, absolutely. It, it, it has helped me so much because, you know, I, I, I try to research the topics I write about quite a bit. And it's, um, it's been a wonderful way to keep up with the industry. Uh, and, you know, really from a self-education standpoint, but it's great. And, you know, there's been some interesting conversations that have come from it. And I think it's, it's been very useful for the boot camp folks that I've worked with and um, the UX boot camp people and uh, just some private coaching people. You know, they'll, they'll ask me a question. I'll be like, I think, I think I wrote about that. And I'll just look it up on the, the search on my blog. And then we go from there. And, and it just, it's a really nice conversation starter. I mean, there's so many thought leaders in UX that, that, you know, I aspire to be like them at some point. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on my journey. They've been around forever. And uh, I've gotten to meet some of them. And uh, I think just avidly looking at, you know, publishing a blog and being kind of a bookworm like I am, it's it's played a major role in my development for sure, especially when I kind of made that cut from project management to UX design. It took me a while. My, my professional network always knew me as a project manager. So I had to work really hard to kind of divest myself from that label, if you will. Mm. UX is a... I'll, I'll say the trending term. I think there's a lot of people that are designers or are creating websites that might say, oh, I do UX design. And maybe they do design and they call it UX because users use their design. What do you feel like is the essence of user experience and how might somebody that is currently a designer or maybe an agency owner, how might they leverage this? Because I feel like when you get into a room with a client and you start using a term like UX and you actually know what you're talking about, uh, there are really cool exercises and strategies and methodologies that you can use to help your clients succeed in ways that you never thought was really possible. What are some of the things that you try to teach people? And I know we could probably dive into that for three or four hours, but like, what are some of the top things that you help people with on the UX side and what should other agency owners be thinking about UX right now? Well, I think one of the really important things from a customer's perspective, you, you touched on a minute ago, nobody really knows what UX is. And so you have to stay away from the wonkiness of it. You have to stay away. You mm. know, it's okay for us to know about that, for us to know the <laughs> technology. But if you start, you know, talking about analytics in great detail to a, to a CMO, their eyes are going to glaze over and they're going to fall asleep and they might even fall out of the chair and you've lost the deal. 
Mm. Um, I, I think so much of it, there is a big educational component, but it has to be in language that your customer understands. So it's got to be translated. You know, so I think one of the things I do is I always try to keep everybody focused on on two fundamental questions. And it's it's really that simple. It's like, what does this digital product, website, whatever it's going to be, app, what does it need to do for the business? And then what does it need to accomplish for the user? Where is the sweet spot if you think like a Venn diagram, two circles, and they're overlapping? What's in the middle there? That's what UX is. And how do we track it from point A to point Z? That's the journey. So I often will approach it from that standpoint. And I always try to keep it in general terms as much as I can. Once we're into the project, yeah, we got to start talking about card sorts and site maps and, and you know the vernacular of the business. But uh, I really try to keep it high level in terms of, of client involvement and also keep that client involved throughout the life cycle of the project. It's very, very important. Do you feel like the average web agency, you know, should they be saying, oh, we'll help you with your user experience if they just build sitemaps and workflows or should they have a, you know, a better understanding, a consultant like yourself or a certification? Should they have more experience before they start introducing that term? Because I kind of hear what I hear from you is almost the more you learn about UX, almost the less you realize you know about UX. It, it seems oh, yeah. like one of those deep wells of... It's, of, it's a rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it's amazing how deep you can go and even sometimes I'll, I'll get a call from an, from an established agency that says, hey, can you do some sitemaps and wireframes? And I'm like, well, do you have a strategy? Have you done research on this? Do you, have, do you know who your client is or who the, who the end customer is? And, and a lot of times they'll say yes, and they've had, a, they've had strategy sessions, but the, some of the smaller shops know. And an uninformed sitemap and an uninformed wireframe leads to an unsuccessful product. I, I think the upfront research is super important because it... it, it defines and drives all the design decisions going forward. And I just, I feel like the essence of what you do is what we tell all of our boot campers, high value work for high value pay. You have to get to the understanding of what does the business that you're working with or the organization or the nonprofit or the agency or whatever, whoever you're working with, what is the essential thing that they're trying to accomplish? And who are their customers? Who are their users? What are they trying to accomplish? What moves the needle for them? And then how do we make this thing, you know, connect the dots in between? And that is such high value work. It's not pushing pixels. It's not, oh, not let me all. just show you some mock-ups and we'll just pick the one that the CEO thinks looks pretty today and be on our way. It's, you know, it's so important. It's about the, um, it's the end-to-end offline experience. Uh, at the end of the day, the business wants to make more sales, get more donations, but the customer is trying to solve a problem. And if you're solving the customer's problem, then they're going to have a good experience. They're going to have a good impression of your brand. They're going to they're going to want to come back for more. They're going to be excited about what it is you do and what you offer them. So it's really it's really about empathy and and really getting deep into that empathy. Depending on you know, there's so much cost and budget restrictions too, or timing and cost restrictions sometimes. Um, but if you can get in front of real customers and talk to their pains, I mean, that's the user in UX. And if you're, if you're not, if you don't have a chance to talk to the customer, at least get to customer service. I feel like so many websites are built without ever speaking to one of the business's customers. Oh, that's why we're all so busy. <laughs> <laughs> 
they, they release these things and, and then they fall flat. And, you know, I, I don't have all the answers, but I just, I try to get everybody in a room and to really think through this other person's experience on the outside. It's outside looking in versus inside, you know, screaming out. In trying to break through those assumptions, I f- it's so easy as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, to just assume that you know everything about your market and about your business. And whenever we hire other really smart people like yourself, they come and they do interviews with our customers and I see what they get back. And a lot of it, I'm like, yeah, I, I know that, I know that. But then there's the things where they kind of de- demolish my sacred cows, the the beliefs <laughs> that I had yesterday. And then they, they tell me, well, Brian, I know you think that, but you know, we talked to 10 people and they all told us something a little bit different, but you know, you're in the same ballpark, but they told us this and it's those realizations that I feel like is, is worth so much more than your hourly rate, so much more than how much you charge per hour to that client. It almost becomes, you know, if, if you can get to that discovery with the business, that, that thing that they had a blind spot to that unknown unknown that they didn't know existed, you can potentially deliver, you know, 10 X hundred X thousand X value to that client. Well, that's the thing that really excites me about what I do. I, those conversations, when you do have that type of information for a customer, you have to deliver it in such a delicate way. Um, But when, when it, when you can, it really helps the person and it can turn a project around and, and make it far more successful than it might be otherwise. What's one thing, we talked about a lot of things that are probably exciting about your business, but what's, what's something that today you're really excited about with, with your business right now? Well, I, I just feel very fortunate. I, I can work on these cutting-edge technology projects that potentially, you know, with, with the large corporate stuff, I, potentially impact millions of consumers. That's exciting. Um, but I also get to work on new technologies that, that are, you know, just brand new. There's one of the downsides of what I do is I'm, I have NDAs for a lot of my work, so I, I can't <laughs> tell you about this really cool thing that I just worked on last week. But it's really exciting to be able to do it from my home and then go pick up my daughter from school. It's just amazing. It's mm. just amazing that I get to do that. And, and then with the coaching stuff, I, I get to help people. I've helped UXers either find jobs that, that are junior, new to the industry, or I've helped people mid-career you know, launch freelance businesses like mine. And it's just very, very satisfying. That's a big idea we're, we would like to push is really achieving freedom in your business and life. And you have, you've done that. You've achieved it with the revenue that you're making now as a business. You've achieved that with the time constraint that you put on your business, that it's not about working more. It's about working the right amount of hours for you. It's about being in your place of passion with your superpower, with which happens to be UX, which is a great great high value service uh, and also the people that are in your life, not just in the business. You mentioned some additional consultants, you mentioned your mentors, but also your family being a part of that picture and that business is not something that's compartmentalized over on the shelf that you just do, you know, when you sit down at your desk, but it's something that affects your entire life and can give you that freedom to pursue other things or to take care of family and to be there and be present and not be worried about where that next paycheck's coming from or where that next client's coming from. And I, I just am, am so excited about everything that you've accomplished over the last couple of years, Mary. Well, thank you very much. I got And I got to say, you gurus has been a huge part of that. I'm so grateful to you all and just the whole program and, and the mastermind. The other, the other thing that 
has helped me tremendously in the last year and a half was, you know, I've been working out of my home for many, many years and the isolation can, can kind of get to me sometimes. And this idea of, of like-minded people in the community, just, you know, there's a lot of folks in the community who have similar stories to mine. And it's, and it's um, I just, I love popping into the Facebook group and just saying, I've, I've been really busy the last couple of weeks, but I'm going to get a little more active when things settle down. But th- that's been hugely valuable. It's been so helpful. What's kind of your vision moving forward for your business? Um, I want to build out my coaching program more than I have. It, it just kind of happened, and I want to get a little more structure around it and make it more of an integral part of the business and, of course, uh, continue the, the corporate stuff. Uh, but I, I was a musician before all of this started, and I, and I miss music. And um, I've written some songs, and hopefully I'm going to free up some time and try to try to get some of my new stuff out there. So... That's a little side project that I want to launch in the next year or so. I've been saying that since my daughter was a baby and she's 13. So (laughs) (laughs) we'll see if it really happens. But but, uh, I I think if things continue on the same track that they're on now, that that there will be time available for that. And I'm really excited about that. Are you ready for lightning round? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Little hesitation there, which is good. It's, it's, uh, it's, It's nothing too crazy. What is the best advice you've ever received? I have so much great advice from my mom, but the funniest and best thing she ever said was, how you think is everything. Uh, she said, keep a close eye on your thoughts so you don't lose your mind. Mm, that is so true. Yep. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, David Allen's Getting Things Done, and I, I think he has a, uh, a new edition that came out in the last year or so. But my one of my mentors at the agency I worked at 10, 12 years ago, he he introduced me to that. And it's huge. It's it's really helped a lot with us. It's just getting stuff out of your head and into a trusted source. Our heads are terrible hard drives. Yes. <laughs> Especially mine. Yeah. Can you share an internet resource or a tool that you think our listeners would find useful? Uh, sure. I, I depend on teamwork for project management. Uh, it's just really, it's really great. Uh, I was a Basecamp fan for many years, but uh, Base Basecamp got a little too big for me, and so for the size projects I work on, it's really great. And uh, then I also like FreshBooks for invoicing. Sweet, both are great tools and uh, great people, great companies. Yeah. Um, what is a book you would recommend, and why? Uh, I really struggled with this one because there's so many. Everything I make goes into Amazon. And, uh, <laughs> um, you know, there are there is a thing called libraries, but anyways, yeah, yeah. that's what my husband says. <laughs> I'm a I'm a one click addict. Oh, it's nice. Um, it's nice. I'm not. Uh, it's the pot calling the kettle black here. Okay. <laughs> uh, I am a huge fan of Gary Keller's The One Thing. I read it around the time that I got committed to the email list, and. The reason I like it is because it's, it focuses on this notion of, of what's the first domino. You know how dominoes just get stacked up? And if you can find that first domino that will impact the other dominoes, you know, everything just kind of literally falls into place. And uh, that's been very, very helpful for me. I have not read that yet. And it's been, uh, I think I've now either been recommended to read that uh, three or four times. And that's usually my kind of my, my sign that that book needs to get into my reading list as soon as possible. So how can, how can folks learn more about you and do you have anything that they uh, might find useful or anything that they can, they can use in their business? 
Sure. I'd, I'd love to have people check out my blog at, at maryshaw.net. And if you uh, go to maryshaw.net slash agency, I was thinking about this conversation and just uh, anybody out there who's interested in, in maybe taking some of these agency of one concepts, I've got a little checklist that hopefully might be helpful for them. I love that. I love agency of one. I, so many people tell me they're like, "Oh, I'm a, I'm just one person. I'm not a digital agency. I can't be an agency because I'm one person." And there's all this baggage around using the word agency if you're just one person. And I love that you're owning that and saying that agency of one is, is something. And maybe that can be uh, you have a, a resource that people can maybe use to to help them find that for themselves. You can do anything you put your mind to. I struggled with it too, and it's totally possible. It's just it, it, you have to use your imagination. You have, I think you have to trust your imagination, really, mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And just you have to picture things in your mind and, and visualize things and, and just see them in existence. It's really hard to, to believe them, but then you have to do the work to make them happen. And oftentimes they don't turn out exactly the way you plan. Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just want to make sure too, that if somebody goes to maryshaw.net slash agency, do they get on your regular email list? Because I, I just, I am an endless promoter of you and everything that you're doing. And I just think <laughs> if you're listening to this right now and you've listened to this long, go get on Mary's email list, both to learn about UX, but also to learn about, I think the simplicity, the discipline, the dedication of just continually educating your list your subscribers about the amazing things that you're doing in a way that's just so authentic and and pure and you just you know this is this is what it's like being on mary's list and if i could share that as a model for other agencies to just watch what you're doing and watch what we've taught you how to do and what you've done on your own without our guidance just above and beyond i think that they'll uh, you'll all be in a better place so that's that's my shameless promotion of <laughs> getting on mary mary shaw's email list i, I welcome any and all <laughs> email subscribers thank you brent very good well mary i this conversation has been so helpful for me and i hope that our listeners uh have gotten a lot out of it i think we've touched on a lot of different topics and uh you're welcome back anytime on the digital agency show oh, thank you so much for having me brent it's been my pleasure We'll talk soon.